I am here with Alicia Newman. Thanks so much for coming on Perform. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So for a lot of people who don't know about your inspiring career in women's pole vault, why don't you give us a little bit of insight on some of your career highlights? Yeah, I would say, gosh, ever since I really started, it's been uh, incredible going up roller coaster. It hasn't dropped yet. So um, I was the first Canadian woman um, high school girl to jump over five in, or sorry, four in Canada um, and then got a full ride scholarship to the University of Miami, um, which then later I ended up making my first Olympic team in 2016. I've also competed at every single world youth, world juniors. Um, I own every single Canadian record from ages 18 and up. Um, and yeah, then I became pro, came a Nike athlete, and I'm here now. <laughs> awesome. awesome. So, you know, I've, I've obviously done some homework on you. And I noticed that, you know, obviously in 2018, you earned a gold medal. And in 2014, yes. you know, you didn't get the gold, but you did, you know, you, you were, you know, placing. What did you do different from 2014 to 2018 to earn that gold medal at the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, I think it all it came with experience and came with failures. I think that's when you learn the best. And every single year that I continue pole vault, I get better and better. And if you look online, there's a cool chart on uh, World Athletics, and it just sees my chart just go like this. And it keeps just going up. And whether it's 5 or 10 centimeters, that is my goal every year is just get better than I was last year and so I've really really like took that to heart through my entire career is even if I go one centimeter or equal my best I got better that year and so from 2014 to 2018 it was really you know staying patient but staying very very consistent it's something that you have to put in work every single day and you have to let the failures be your positive and um, developing that mentality of it's okay if you're not the best or it's okay if you have doubts like everyone has those in the athletic world in life in general um yeah it's really just kind of going through this crazy life uh journey of life <laughs> So I know as well, like, you know, you, you've obviously went through a pretty traumatic injury in 2018, you know, uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about that and, you know, how you were able to recover and, you know, how you were able to kind of get in that mindset of, you know, like getting yourself back to winning. Yeah. Um, well, for me at the, at the, right at the beginning that year I was very thankful because I had already won my gold medal however I had so many things I wanted to accomplish that year and my body pretty much was like too bad um, I tore my patella tendon on my left knee and it forced me into an eight months worth of recovery and I definitely could not train or compete for at least six of them mm. so I think for my mentality wise it really was less about who I was as a person, but what my body was asking me to do. And that was recover. And so instead of, um, you know, me not being out there with the girls and my pride and ego being, you know, feeling good about myself, I had to give my body everything it needed. And that was recover. Um, and the number one thing it was, it was rehab. It was treatment. It was getting strong and learning why 
I got her in the first place. And we came to the conclusion it was overtraining. It was my takeoff leg. Um, so really solving the problem on to avoid future injuries um, on bigger events such as the Olympics or Commonwealth Games or um, World Championships. We want to avoid getting injured during those times. And without that happening in 2018, I wouldn't have had the season I had in 2019. Mm-hmm. So... You know, obviously, one of the things that I found very interesting as well mm-hmm. was how you followed Gerald Langley, you know, from, yeah. from Eastern Michigan to Miami, mm-hmm. followed your coach, you know, yeah. obviously there was, uh, you know, with the weather being so amazing in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, kind of a no brainer, but for people who don't understand and are not really sure, you know, you were really big, I guess, you know, with Gerald, tell us a little bit about what made mm-hmm. Gerald different and why you were following him, you know, give us some insight on that. Yeah, you know, Coach Langley was someone I connected to right from the beginning. He was someone that was young in the sport. He wanted to learn. He was willing to do things um, to get me to the next level and saw potential that I didn't see in myself. And at that point, when I went into Eastern Michigan, I needed someone like that. I needed a male role model coach to push me past my limits because I already had the grind and I already had the mentality of wanting to be the best, but it was really making sure I was doing the right things to become the best and when you're going in and out every single day and you're doubting yourself and you don't want to be there and you don't want to wake up you have to have somebody in your life that really you know you want to show up for and he was that person for me I knew if I didn't go to practice or I missed a drug test or I did something like that it would disappoint him and so I really respected him in a way that I never really respected him other coaches and that's why our relationship worked so well and that's why i ended up becoming a uh, i guess mac champion and uh, runner up an ncaa runner up and hold the mac record so i think uh, it really is all about your surroundings and your environment and really feeling comfortable with that individual and making sure you both are on the same page and he knew like right when he said hey i got a job offer it wasn't like he was like I'm leaving you. He was like, you're coming with me. And I knew he had my back from the beginning because he saw the love and the passion I had for track and field. Mm. When you look back on your career, if you could change one thing, what would it be? Wow. That's so hard. I always get this question and it's so hard for me because in my career, it's like, I wouldn't be, I'm so happy right now. So I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't go through the same thing, if there was one thing that I could really you change, you probably wouldn't have used air Canada to ship your poles. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that neat. <laughs> but honestly, air Canada is the best to ship poles with now. Cause they're unreal. And they like see me at the airport and they, they get them there. Oh my gosh. They like VIP me every time. So I'm, you know what? Now I'm really happy. It happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. so for, for anybody out there, I mean, are you into obviously supplements or nutrition? Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Yeah. I love talking about that stuff. Cause I'm, um, I'm so good at like adapting. I feel like the human body gets used to eating or taking the same thing. So I love switching things up. I love not eating the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I do know you got to put fuel in the tank and that is something I've had to learn of what works best with me what makes me not bloated um, during practices or makes me feel like 
heavy. You know, you want to feel light, you want to feel spunky, you want to feel fast. And foods also that help me recover um, so I can be ready for the next day. And uh, I'm a big three hour, every three hour person. I'm a big BCA and amino acid and uh, electrolytes. I love that because that diminishes while you work out. And then I think we need to replace it faster than what our body can, uh, I guess, make it back. I eat every three hours, um, whether it's, you know, big meals, small meals, whatever my body needs, I'm definitely in tuning into it every single time to never, ever feel hungry. I Mm -hmm. think that is my number one thing when I'm talking to athletes is like, never get to that state of feeling hungry because that's when your body goes into stress, bringing inflammation and it holds on to food because it feels like it's going through almost shock. Um, and that was one thing it took a long time for me to realize because when I was trying to get to my competition weight, I thought I would just eat less, but it, that wasn't the thing. It was like, no, you got to eat more and just never become uh, in that starvation mode. Um, so I learned that probably my diets definitely changed drastically, but last two years as I've kind of figured it out and I'm also, um, dairy free and gluten free during the year, like during my competition year, when I want to have my ice cream or my glasses of wine and that I'll have that, but I try to very much stick to gluten free and dairy free during season. Oh, good. And I mean, Mm -hmm. when you're getting ready for, you know, an important meet, what would you eat prior to that meet? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm competing in like the afternoon, I make sure I get at least two big meals before. So I'll have a breakfast. I love my like avocado with uh, two egg whites, one egg yolk um, with you mix in some mushrooms and spinach in there with the side of steel cut oats with some mixed berries, fresh berries. I don't like the frozen berries as much. I like fresh stuff with a little bit of honey. Um, and then three hours from there, about two hours out of my competition, I'll always have like my chicken, kale and rice, chicken, kale and broccoli, um, just something that digests. And I know that digests really well with my stomach. And that's kind of my go-to every time. I'm not a big pasta person. I'm not a big, oh my gosh, we got to get all these carbs before we compete. I got to feel satisfied and good. You know, I don't want to go out there and feel like I eat too little or I eat too much. So if I'm out on the middle, I'll have a banana, a banana with almond butter or an apple with almond butter while I'm out on the track. It's just something to just like keep my body on a routine of constantly feeling like it has fuel and something to burn. Mm. Has there ever been a time where you've got to a meet and maybe something in your personal life, maybe you weren't Mm -hmm. feeling well, but you just weren't feeling like doing it that day? You know, can you give us a little bit of insight on that and how you were able to kind of like push through it mentally and make it happen? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it happens more than more than people think. It's there's definitely days that I'm like, why am I here? Like, I could be, you know, with my friends or I could be going doing something different or I could be modeling or acting. And there's so many different roads that I still want to try in life. But when I when something like that happens, I always realize of how far I've come. I also put a lot of pressure on myself on saying, you, you've done something no Canadian's ever done. You've jumped the highest any Canadian female athlete has ever walked the planet in Canada. And so I, I, bring myself back to the, the whys and the purposes and what, what isn't the sport that makes me who I am today. And it's the passion. It's the dedication that I've been able, I've been in this sport for 10 years, just 11 years now. And 
I've put all this time into this and why would I give up now? Or why would I not go out and perform my best or try to at least fight through something that I'm only feeling temporarily. I think people underestimate, you know, we go through waves of emotions and there's days that you don't want to get about, but there's days that you get up at like 5am and you want to conquer the entire day. And that is completely fine. There's never going to be a day that every day is the same because otherwise it'd be very, very boring. And for track, that's what happens. We'll be at meets. Some meets, I'm, I'm so stoked. I'm ready. I'm pumped up. And I don't make one bar. And I'm like, what just happened? You know? And then there's some days I feel sick. I remember my first Canadian record I broke. I had the flu. I was throwing up the night before. I had um, like a cold. And I was on some Tylenol, Advil, Pepnobismo. And I went out and I competed and I broke a Canadian record. You know, you just, you can never underestimate the power of your mind and your body when it wants to, when, when it's supposed to be there. So if you're in the right spot and you're, you're doing something that you know will bring value to your life, then you're in the good spot and just like keep fighting through it, I would say. Mm. And mm -hmm. I mean, for, for people who aren't familiar with the sport, is this a sport that you can financially not have to work another job? Like, can this pay your bills? Mm -hmm. this, like for, you know, people out there who are thinking about this track and field, yeah. tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a big believer in you can make anything happen and anything is possible. Um, would I say track is something that once I'm done, I never have to work again? Maybe. Maybe when I break my world record and I'm bringing home an Olympic gold medal, absolutely, I think so. But if you're trying to be in the top 15 only, yeah, you could get by yearly you you don't need to have a job you're good in the top 10 in the world you're good however that's not going to last you forever and i think people underestimate of just getting there or saying you're represented by nike like yeah they're, they're a business too once you're done you're done you know and so i think people underestimate track and field and, and we've had so many crazy discussions on how underpaid olympic athletes are and it's sad because we really do put our heart and soul and passion. And that's why the Olympics is so cool because you know, the athletes competing there are really there because of their heart and because they're passionate about the sport or their sports. Um, and that's what hits me every time I go to the Olympics. But <laughs> what I say, like, I, I, I mean, my mentality as an athlete, I'm, I wouldn't like, once I'm done, I'm not going to stop working. I want to keep doing something else. I want to keep it motivating and inspiring people. And, and some people, if they have good investments and they put all their money in it, then maybe they could, but at the end of the day, it's definitely not the highest paying job, but you can definitely make it work yearly. If you're within the top 10 in the world. What is the coolest part or time at being at the Olympics? Like when you think about the Olympics, I'm sure you think about, you know, a certain day, time. Give us some insight on what the coolest part about being at the Olympics is. Yeah. I would say the one thing that, like, shines to me is being in an environment. doesn't matter what you're ranked in the world. Everybody thinks that they're number one. And I've never been in an environment where everyone's so, like, proud and their egos are, like, up here. And everyone's just like, yeah, I'm a win, you know. And then until the day comes and then everyone's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> You know, but it's a really cool environment to be around athletes that have trained their entire lives for this moment and might maybe only get one shot um, at, at 
representing their country but everyone walks in like they're these beast mode and like let's go like i'm winning this today and it's a really really cool experience to be around and um on top of that you get to meet some incredible people all around the world even though that we don't speak the same language um each national teams gets pins so you go and exchange with as many countries as possible and you, you know what it is you know you say hi in your language and then you you say you know you're pin for pin so it's really really cool to really interact with different culture, different diversity, different um, upbringings from different peoples and hearing stories is really, really cool too. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very powerful movement of never been in a place with so many different types of people in so many different countries so at peace. So I would say the Olympics is a very, very special time. And if you had to pick, you know, one country in particular that you really connected with and that you feel really you know vibing with who would that be like on the track like friends wise or like like when you're at the olympics culture culture. like when you're there you know and you're Mm -hmm. kind of like mixing it up is it like you know are you really close with a certain country would you say outside yeah so i mean i have a really close friend in belarus so she represents belarus and she's learning english and i'm learning a little russian for her so that has always been my girl like her and i hang out every time we're on the circuit and sometimes we have to use google translate and we go and have glasses of wine after like it's very much that's my best friend literally (laughs) um but i would say culturally um i really really always vibed with europeans i think going over there and and learning their culture and having the cold breakfasts and having coffee in the afternoon you know that's just not our norm so Mm -hmm. i've always really vibed with europeans because they're very much let's just say europeans are very confident in themselves and i love that i love confident people and i love people that don't change themselves because of their environment and Europeans don't do that. They tell you how it is. And I love that. (laughs) You have much time to mix it up or is it like all business when you're there? Like, is it all like mindset? Um, I would say at the Olympics, generally you are kind of in business till you compete, but then you have the after parties and that is always a good time because depending on your sponsor you know if you're with red bull there's red bull parties there's nike house parties um we have quite cool like outside the village experiences and and meeting athletes that aren't in your sport so yeah i would say like the last three days of like the olympics is intense because everyone's partying everyone's done and everyone's like thank gosh four years of anxiety like all done some people are crying some people are happy you know it's just a mix of emotions up and down and all around so it's it's uh it's pretty cool the last i would say last two days in in the olympic village nice is there anything you want to kind of go over today or ask me before we wrap up um no i think pretty good i'm always talking about olympic experiences always really cool um yeah Okay, I think that's cool. good. <laughs> people find out more info about you like if somebody wants to reach out yeah if anybody wants to reach out i de- you can just reach out at, at alicia newman i know very creative <laughs> um on instagram and all my links are set up on linktree through my instagram so if you want to reach out to do a collaboration or 
anything you want to do, any motivational stuff you want to see is all through my Insta. I have a Facebook fan page and I also have a Twitter. Uh, so yeah, it's all linked on Instagram. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on to perform. Yeah. I really appreciate it. No, I thank you so much. Jason. I really appreciate it. I love talking. So it's good. <laughs>